0: Welcome to the Sharing the Heart of the Matter podcast, where we bring you talented creatives who inspire you to reach your next level of personal growth. I'm Wynne Leon, and in this episode, I'm with my co-host, Dr. Vicki Atkinson, and our writing blogging friend, Michelle Oram. Finding out how people came to blogging is so fascinating, so we dig into what brought Michelle to blogging four years ago. But more interesting than that is why people stay. Michelle tells us how her mission of sustainability and environmental advocacy has evolved over time. Michelle has her sights set on writing a book on retirement, and she's excited to have that time to work on it. Yep, when she retires. Michelle tells us about the book she had in mind. Unlike other retirement resources, which focus on the transition and renewed identity and purpose, Michelle's planning to use her professional expertise related to planning and finance to focus on the systems of retirement and how to navigate them. Seems like that's a cap that needs to be filled. We know it'll be a great book and that she will do it, because anyone that reads Michelle's blog knows she has a great track record of working towards goals. She manifests accountability on her blog in her monthly roundup, and her followers love the vicarious peek into her progress. In this episode, she tells us how that works for her, and then we dig into her current focus, her 60 before 60 goals. Guess what? Podcasting is one of them, so Vicki and I find out if being on our podcasts counts. We sure hope so. Music is another theme that is interwoven into Michelle's life. She tells us the story about how she came to sing for a band that performs regularly and the fun and zest that brings into her life. Determined, driven, interesting, fun. Michelle shows us how those four traits come together with creativity to build a full life. This is a great episode featuring a writer that we know and love. It's so much fun to see what goes into this renaissance woman. We know you'll love it.
1: Michelle. Hi Wan. Hi, Vicky. Hey, so good to spend time with you.
0: It is so fun to see you. We know you from the blogging world, but it's just a wonderful to be able to have a conversation with you as well. Tell us more about yourself, why you started blogging and what role writing plays in your life.
2: Sure. So the interesting thing is I never really thought of myself as a writer. And that goes back to my high school days when I actually had a teacher tell me that I was a terrible writer and I should just mm-hmm. pick the typing. And you just can't even imagine a teacher saying that to somebody, but that's, that's what happened. And, you know, those are those little things that you kind of internalize and, and mm-hmm. they stay with you. Mm-hmm. And then when I decided to start my blog, it's four years ago now that I started blogging and I I just did it kind of on a whim. I was at a bit of a loose end. I had a couple things going on that ended and and decided I wanted to share my message of sustainability with anybody that wanted to listen. The more I wrote, the more I loved it. Mm -hmm. And when I stopped (laughs) and thought about it, I thought, you know, Every job I've ever had is involved writing in some form, whether it's been writing procedure manuals or training material, presentation materials. Right now in my current job, I do a lot of financial education programs and and content. So what that teacher told me all those years ago, now I think, well, I really am a writer. Mm. Um, So (laughs) I think that that, that's one of those things that I overcame at a, a late age was realizing that I had a passion for something that someone once told me I was not able to do.
1: Oh my goodness. And we find that folks that we talk to, it feels kind of audacious to claim that identity or title of writer. But I love your story about carrying that negative feedback for years. And it's, it's horrifying how that can influence, you know, what we're doing. But I I love your point about in, in different vocational venues, you were writing all the time.
0: Mm mm-hmm. yep. gotcha. And that we can update our identities later in life.
2: Yes, exactly. Exactly. And you know, that that's such a great point, because one of the things that I'm passionate about, because it's what I do for my day job is, is I help people prepare for retirement. And, you know, we're seeing that with a lot of people that they're reinventing themselves later in life and, and they're, you know, they're coming up with their, their second life or their, their, you know, their second chance. I think that's exciting because I think our society wants to, um, you know, say, well, all oh, people, they're older people. They're, they have nothing left to give when in reality, people do have a lot left to give well into their, their senior years. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, and we know you're thinking, in addition to your beautiful blog, you're thinking down the line about, actually authoring a book, you know, on that, that mm-hmm. topic, which is, is amazing. And I think it's, it's a challenging transition for folks. And I think the more support, the better, especially with a lot of, you know, affirmations and goodness about, you know, you can, and we'll look forward to that. Mm-hmm.
0: It's funny that you're mm-hmm. going to have to retire to write a book about retirement. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah because I'm not sure how I'll do it now
0: (laughs) exactly because you don't have the time
2: (laughs) you're busy having everybody
0: else retire can you say more about what you what you envision for that book
2: yes there are so many books about retirement right but it's not so much a sort of a how to retire or a self-help book it's more about how Retirement and how we as a society need to look at retirement differently in an age of longevity. Um, You know, when you think about the current retirement programs that we have, a lot of our government programs or workplace programs were put in place at a time when if you made it to 65, you were lucky to live another five years. Right. Yeah, someone that makes it to 65 now probably is going to live another at least 20 years, if not more. We're seeing more and more people living beyond the age of 100, which was pretty much unheard of a generation ago. So I think that while the idea of retirement has changed and the reality of retirement has changed, our workplaces haven't kept pace, our government programs haven't kept pace, our financial programs and how we talk to people about retirement hasn't kept pace. So that's really um, the idea behind the book. Is more what needs to change from a systemic point of view to support the fact that people are living now many in many cases to their hundredth birthday and beyond.
0: Wow. Right. Oh wow, that's gonna be a valuable book.
1: I think so, and I think from what you described, you know, knowing that there's a dearth, you know, of how-to books, you know, about how to retire. I like what you've described because it's a very different approach your angle about providing support. Cause there, I think there's a lot of stress on people as they approach those decisions. And I, I love everything you just said, because some of it is just navigating through outdated systems
2: and processes mm-hmm. that are like
1: out of alignment with what life is like.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. One of the biggest fears that people have about retirement is, will I run out of money? Mm-hmm. And I think that what we're seeing now is that more and more people are wanting to work in some capacity they don't necessarily want a job when they retire, but they want to do some sort of work that can bring in an income um, mm-hmm. that can supplement what they've saved throughout their working life for retirement. And I think that a lot of employers haven't caught on to that yet, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, still, it's still kind of, you. it's like the cliff, right? You, that you, <laughs> you, you work, 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 and you fall off a cliff and then that's it. You never yeah. work again. And I think more and more that's just not realistic. Um, from a financial yeah. point of view, but also from a meaning and purpose point of view, people need to have a reason to get out of bed in the morning. And whether mm-hmm. you love your job or hate it, that's what gets you out of bed in the morning for many, yeah. many years. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Because and then there's a, a policy part of that, too, I, it strikes me as a complete non-expert. So, you know, just disregard whatever I am going to say. But that government policies then punish you if you make too much.
2: Right. Right, because you in in Canada anyway, um, there's a clawback to our government mm-hmm. pension that if you earn too much, then it gets clawed back. But the reality is, you know, very few people are in that situation, and mm-hmm. most people are in the opposite situation where they they haven't saved enough and, and they're not earning enough, and they won't have enough income to support the lifestyle that they want to live retired.
0: Mm-hmm. Especially um. if they're going to live to a hundred.
2: Yeah, well yeah. That's a long time. Yeah, yeah it's, right. It's, it's kind of a scary thought. It's exciting, but it's scary. Right? Mm-hmm. Well mm-hmm. and speaking of
1: living and longevity, tell us more about, you know, your beautiful blog that has the title Boomer Eco Crusader. And when and I love the taglines for it that are live green, declutter, and simplify life. So all of those things. You know, you're just feeding us full of useful information. Every time you sit down to write, I I so look forward, you know, to reading because I learn so much. But tell us in your writing world right now, tell us more about the blog.
2: Yeah, so I initially started the blog. It's kind of interesting to see how it's evolved since I started it four years ago. I originally started writing about uh, green living. Um, I think for many years, I was very focused on and this comes out of, um, I'm a cancer survivor. And after my cancer diagnosis, I became very aware of all of the chemicals and a lot of the products that we use every day. So that was my initial focus. And then over time, I started realizing that not only are there a lot of chemicals, but we also use a lot of unnecessary products, and we create a lot of unnecessary waste. So I started to develop a focus of waste reduction so I really wanted to reduce single-use plastic and and try to just you know get as much use out of everything as possible um, and not not be throwing you know noodles and noodles of trash to the end of the curb every garbage day. Yeah. So I first started my blog writing about that it was about how to reduce waste and, and, and how to live more sustainably and then over time I started to expand what i was writing to decluttering i did a big decluttering challenge where i was i went room by room throughout my whole house i did 52 weeks of decluttering and i wrote every week about what i was doing and and what i got rid of and what i learned and 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 that was that was great and then i think i had a bit of an uh aha when i said you know this is all connected right this the whole idea of sustainability when you think about it comes back to our consumption um, that we are yeah. just consuming more than our planet can support. So as I started decluttering, I realized, wow, you know, I really didn't need all this stuff and I could have lived much better and much, much simpler without all this stuff. Hmm. So if the whole message of simplicity is kind of grown out of the sustainability to decluttering to realizing that, you know, we can live a very, joyful and satisfying life with a lot of yeah. your possessions
1: yes and be good to the planet in the process
0: yeah yeah yeah. No, yeah. I love the evolution of your purpose and mission as you as you write your way through that
2: mm-hmm. yeah yeah and I sometimes say and, and you know I also write about Whatever random thoughts happen to pop into my head on a given day too, which that's okay, right? That's the cool Mm -hmm. thing about a blog. It's my blog. Mm -hmm. I can do whatever I want and write about whatever I want. So I don't let myself be limited by my initial thought, which was, oh, I'm just going to write a blog about sustainability. Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. One of your goals that I love, speaking of things that are just a little bit fun and fabulous and so relatable, is your your goal of not having more than one piece of candy every day. So Wynn and I are <laughs> often visiting with each other, kind of on the side comparing what chocolate we've eaten or what we're about to eat. So you're a woman after our own hearts, Michelle. We love that. And am I wrong? Did you like post today perhaps that you're doing really well with that once a day rule or goal <laughs> yeah
2: it's a struggle. I oh, yeah. It a struggle yeah I did pretty well last month so mm-hmm. you know there's hope that I might actually be able to keep it going although I did speak a little bit at lunch today so um, <laughs> well. I can't claim victory just
1: yet <laughs> you, you needed the good energy for visiting with us that's it was exactly.
2: purposeful
1: yeah
0: <laughs> but you're a really goal-oriented person and I love this and I love your your goal of 60 before 60 list and and one of the reasons I love that is you know we always talk about the bucket list but you know that's seems like we're going to save everything for the end when we're when we are retired, but the 60 before 60 is such a, um, let's do it now.
2: Yeah I've, yeah, I've definitely, and I think again, some of that, a lot of that comes out of my, my cancer experience, right? Yeah. Is that for many, many years, I wouldn't do things because I think, oh, well, you know, I'll have time to do that later. And then all of a sudden facing a cancer diagnosis, you yeah. realize that, well, Later needs to be now because none of us know how much time we have. So, yeah, the 60 before 60 list was kind of a fun thing. I've seen similar lists on other blogs, um, you know, 30 before 30, 40 before 40. And I thought, you know what? This is kind of fun. I'm going to make a list. So, I sat down and just started brainstorming and started writing a list of things that I wanted to do. Some of them were things I probably would have done anyway. Um, even if they weren't on the list. And then others were things that I thought, no, you know what? I'm going to challenge myself. I'm going to try to do some different things. Um, So I'm actually, I was just writing because I'm a quarter of the way through the year, almost a quarter of the way through the year. And I was just writing an update on how I'm doing. So I'm actually close to halfway through my list (gasps) a quarter of the way through the year. Nice. But some of the things that are left are challenging. So they're going to take a little bit longer. (laughs)
0: I I don't know. You seem to be pretty good about knocking things off the list. And if I understand you right, the podcasting was one of your things.
2: It was for sure. Yeah. And I'm so excited to be here.
0: <laughs> we're excited to have you. We, we, we're the benefit of the 60 of 60.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that's what I loved about reading your list, that you categorized the things on your goal list it wasn't all like one trick, right? Or one category. It wasn't all professional. It wasn't all like intellectual. There's a lot of play involved and kind of your real living um, aspirational things. We're just happy that podcasting was among them and that you mm-hmm. wanted to visit with us, which is so, so <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we, we joked with you about feeling you're such a Renaissance woman and to our listeners we will confess that Michelle was like, oh no, that's not me. But one of the things that we love learning about is just your, your musicality. You are such a multi-talented lady and have so much going on, but you are like creative and artistic, you know, with words and uh, it's such a huge source of support for people who look to you for information about, you know, being better about sustainability and the planet and consumption. But then you have this, might I say, slightly wild side, you you rock diva, you. So we we have to know more. Tell us everything.
2: Uh, <laughs> so that's another, that's a really good example of another way that I've kind of morphed throughout my life and, and transformed I've been singing my whole life, uh, mainly in choirs, church choirs. And about six years ago, I I discovered my inner rock star when my daughter, Laura, joined (laughs) School of Rock. She joined our local School of Rock. Um, And she joined the youth performance program. She sings and she plays keys. I learned they had an adult program. And it was like, ooh, this is exciting. So about a year after she started, I thought, I'm going to join this adult program, I'm going to give it a try. Totally different experience to any type of singing I had ever done. Um, definitely put me outside my comfort zone in terms of what I was doing. Um, I took vocal lessons, and I got on stage, and I rocked out with with the, the band. And I was with School of Rock probably for about three years. Um, and then our local rock franchise closed. Although It was 2019 when they closed and it would have closed during the pandemic anyway, and there would have been none of that. Yeah. So the thing I love the most about singing uh with the band is it's a complete stress reliever. Uh there's no room for anything else in my brain when I'm whether even if it's just a rehearsal. Um, just you have to focus on listening to the other musicians and what am I doing and what are my lyrics what do I have to do next and and (laughs) and it's um, I come home after that and I'm just wound right up which is not a good thing because then I can't sleep but it's you know it's also a good thing because it's a complete break from everything else that's been going on in life and and the stress of the day so it's been fabulous. After the pandemic once things started to open up again, I got a message the one day from a, a you know someone that I was connected with through my school of rock experience, and he said, "Hey, there's a group of us. We've been getting together. We've been jamming on Tuesday nights at a local club, and we didn't. And we need another vocalist. Are you in?" And it was like, "Oh yes, I'm totally in." So that's <laughs> what uh, I've been doing on Tuesday nights. Now we are on a bit of a break right now in schedule issues this fall so um, we're taking a little bit of a break but hoping to get back at it in the year because I really miss it
0: that's great and you that you have a local uh, gig that you're that you're performing at that's wonderful
2: yeah and it's all people that have been you know musicians on and off throughout their lives um, people of different ages we have one of our other vocalists is is nineteen, and then we have people like me. I think I might be the older person in the group, um, but it's just a it's just a great experience. It's a great group of people. Everybody's really passionate about the music. No one gets too stressed when things don't go the way we want them to go. Everybody just has a lot of fun.
1: Well, and tell me, I think there at least one post you wrote about um, singing Queen songs and so I don't I don't want to leap to conclusions but if we had to pin you down just a little bit you know talking about the stress relief and how much fun it all is is there a certain artist or certain song that you just like oh let me loose. I'm, I'm all in that just does it for you. And for our listeners, Michelle could not be smiling bigger right now. It's like, she's going to tell us something so fabulous. And I promise we won't make you sing. That'll be the next
2: podcast. Oh, <laughs> yeah, okay. I'd have to warm up a bit for that one. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm a big Queen fan and have been my whole life. And, and during my time with School of Rock, we did some Queen uh, music, which was a lot of fun. I loved singing Under Pressure, was, was oh. a really fun one. Mm. Was pretty challenging, yeah. but it was yeah. good. Um, but yeah, in terms of artists, Queen, Elton John are, are two of my all-time favorites. Um, in terms of the lineup of songs that we do now, it would be um Zombie. <laughs> by the mm. cranberry mm. is my one because it's such a raw, angry, emotional song. And, and yeah. it's just one that I i find I can just really get into. Um and then another one that we do now that I find is, is um is interesting too is creep, um, a radiohead song. So oh those, yes. Yeah. Both Challenging vocally, but uh, yeah. great to perform, and and kind of songs that the audience tends to get into when you're performing mm-hmm. for the audience but people know those songs.
1: Mm. Yes. Oh, and "Creep" is such a song. I mean, I could see people singing along with you. Is oh, that yeah. fun when you're on stage <laughs> and you've got the audience oh, yeah. fully participating? Yeah.
2: I love that. It's really handy when you forget your lyrics and people are singing along. <laughs> you just, you know, hey,
1: <laughs> That's let the so audience good. carry you. absolutely oh my gosh so much fun well don't stop singing yeah ever ever yeah I I love it (laughs) so given
0: all these things that you do you write you sing you podcast we can add that (laughs) to the list now Mm -hmm. so tell us what are your top of mind concerns about environmental concerns eco activism you're the mother of two daughters what's Mm -hmm. what keeps you up at night
2: yeah, Yeah. you know, I think the thing that I'm most concerned about is just all of the denial and misinformation that's out there when it comes to climate change and the, the state of the planet. Um, and what's most worrisome is a lot of this comes from large corporations that have very deep pockets. And they spend a lot of time and money just planting those seeds of doubt um, and, and fueling all of that denial and, and misinformation. You know, it's, it's a concern. I, I, I feel like, and that's one of the things I find always very interesting is I've done a lot of reading around Indigenous culture and their worldview. And one of the things that I love about their worldview is how they look seven generations to the past and seven generations to the future and believe that they are stewards of our planet and need to be stewards of our planet for the next generations and Mm -hmm. I just find that kind of a planet are we leaving for our kids and and, and I really saw that this summer my older daughter moved to British Columbia and they've had a horrible wildfire season out in British Columbia this year and uh you know she took pictures and you know for us we get smoke from the fires but it's more of a haze it's not you know Mm -hmm. for her she took a picture and and you could actually see the smoke because the fire was about 15 kilometers away from where she's living and it it's scary right and there's just so many air quality warnings and and it will just impact every aspect of our lives. It, it's, a, it's our health, it's our planet. It will impact our financial security because um, insurance will become unaffordable and there's just so many things that it can impact. And I was really struck a few weeks ago, I read an article in the Claims Magazine, which is Canada's national news magazine, kind of like a time type magazine. And it was called Canada in 2060. And it talked about how climate change will impact everything and something as simple as the backyard hockey rink, which is such a, hmm. it's such a fundamental part of our culture. Yeah, And it's true. When I think about it, when my kids were little, we used to go skating on my sister-in-law's pond all the time. And we don't do that anymore because the, the, the weather's not cold for the pond. Yeah. So just, you know, simple, such a simple thing. But when you think about that, how that can impact our culture in every aspect of our lives, it's really scary. Yeah.
0: You know, that reminds me that you participate in the Climate Change Collective, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And wasn't it Molly from Transatlantic Notes that wrote a piece that a few weeks ago about den- um, all the denial?
2: Yeah. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was an excellent, excellent piece. She was busting some of the myths, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, people go, well, the climate has always changed. Yeah, but not to the extent that we're seeing it now. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's when you hear a lot from people. Oh, you know, it's nothing to worry about. You know, we're used to this. The world has survived worse things. And, And no, it actually hasn't. When you look at the Industrial Revolution and the impact, and how much things have changed over the last hundred or so years—we've never seen change of that magnitude before. Um, so it's real, and, and it's—it is—it really um, strikes me that there's just so much effort being put into denying um, mm-hmm. and fueling that denial. It's—it's it's frightening. It really is.
1: Yeah. I think the the myth busting that you do like when said what Molly's piece does you know just trying to confront the manipulation you know with truth and fact and you know how powerful it is to think about what you just shared about indigenous people seven generations back seven generations forward some of of what's needed is just that perspective of about how fragile but I'm curious with all the wonderful information you provide your readers, Michelle. Is there one thing that if, if you had a magic wand that you could get everyone collectively? I love, you know, thinking about that word, one thing that people could do to try and make a difference. Is there something that comes to mind?
2: You know, sometimes it's the simple things. Often said that if everyone on the planet, did one thing, right? If they chose one thing to do, and even if that's just I'm never going to do a bottle of water again, right? I carry my own water bottle, or you know that's simple. But I think that it snowballs, and for me, that's how it's right. I, I, I got a Christmas gift. It was from a local bulk uh, supply store, and I went into their store and thought, oh, look, I can fill my own laundry jugs. With laundry soap, and I don't plastic jugs away anymore, yeah. right? Like, and then it, that starts, and and then it grows. And that once you start doing something, you see, well, there's something doing something else I can do. And, and for long, you realize we made a lot of changes. And I, I think that that you know, everybody should do something, and everybody can do something. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be big gesture, right? on
1: the planet something simple it was different I was just going to say I I think one of the takeaways from reading your blog Michelle is definitely that my awareness for our household not just myself about single-use plastic and all the different manifestations of it in our home you know you you've helped me think about shampoo bars and just the the things that we just take for granted that um, you know, you, you hope you're making a difference. But I appreciate your endorsement there. Just build the awareness and then take action accordingly. I love that.
0: It's good. So, what do you think? Uh, you have we met your goal of being on a podcast sixty before sixty.
2: Yes. Yeah. It's been uh, it's been great. Enjoyed the chat with both of you, and look forward to seeing the end result. um <laughs> wow.
1: It was a pleasure, that's for sure. So much fun. Yes, enjoyable in every way. We learn, we laugh, all the good stuff. All the good
0: stuff indeed. Thank you, Michelle.
2: Thank you much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you for listening. Our music is composed for sharing the heart of the matter by the exquisitely talented duo of Jack Canfora and Rob Koenig. For show notes and more great inspiration, please visit our site at sharingtheheartofthematter.com.